You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Welcome to our podcast, People Back. I, I thought I'd start it off by giving just a little brief background about myself professionally and ask Ray if he can tell us what he's in, up to right now in his profession. Uh, one thing is my title is um, I'm an MFT, that's Marriage and Family Therapist. Uh, that takes a master's degree and um, passing the Bureau of, of Behavior Bureau test. Okay, then I went on and, finished and completed the psych- psychologist curriculum. That's another two or three years. I didn't, I didn't need to do that. I had the, or I had the marriage and family license, behavioral license, and completed that. And I was now working on my dissertation. So all the academic work was done, and even some of um, internship on it was done, and um, and I began my dissertation which was a philosophical dissertation about the philosophers that could add knowledge to, to uh, clinical psychology. Well, about a quarter to a halfway through that, I became very ill. I already had, was, uh, was, I had a committee and I was heading in that direction. I became ill and um, I really had to let everything go. Um, and um, then I had a certain time spot, this timeline to see if I can get back to it um, but by that time, I was weary, and I'd been quite ill, and, and I just didn't go back. So I had, for a title for a while, was the Ph.D. Uh, without um, dissertation. Um, so I just wanted to uh, uh, bring you up to date with that. Um, let's see, anything else in that area? And then I've been in private practice. Uh, in the valley, uh, for, I don't know about twenty years or so, uh, in private practice. So anyway, that's just um, um, just to touch a little bit of professionally, of, of uh, so you'll know of my. Background. Hey Jim, if you finished your dissertation, then would you have the the DR in front of your name? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I yeah, would. I finished all the work. I finished all the academic work. I, um, but I didn't complete the dissertation. Now I submitted some of it, and they liked it, but then I got ill. And um, was that from UCLA or where? where UCLA, yeah, uh, I did a lot of a lot of my research was from UCLA. Um, uh, what else can I say about that? Yeah, so that's that's where that stands. So you will have an idea uh, about that. Is MFT bigger than an MFCC? No, they just merely changed. They used to, used to be MFCC, but they changed it to MFT. Um, that's it's the same thing, only they just they switched. Uh, it used to be marriage and fa- family child counselor. Now it's marriage uh, and family therapy. It's, it's the same one. Oh, okay. So the kids don't count anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Okay, so I just want to just give you a little bit of that background. Okay, Ray, let's hear a little background from you. Well, I've been doing, what, construction for most of my adult life. Just got off a big project downtown, which uh, was a fire repair, 15,000 square feet. Biggest job of, of my professional life. Right. And turned out really well. You know, all in all, closed out nine permits on the corner of Los Angeles and 11th Street, if anybody's familiar with that, like Santee Alley, downtown L.A., <clears throat> all that kind of thing. Pretty much hustle and bustle down there. And it was a year-long project. Yeah. Yeah, I remember following it with you. It was quite something for a podcast audience. I was right amazed that Ray could be in all those different facets, from the elevator to the plumbing to the electrical. I mean, be um, associate. Not that he did all that, but that he, um, he kind of supervised all those different kinds of jobs. Yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. I mean... By far, biggest job I've ever had. You know, when your lumber order is something like 1,100 sheets of uh, three-quarter plywood, you know, you can't even picture it. It just comes in in pallets and waves, and it's, you know, you got 18 guys working, and you're running around like a madman trying to coordinate it and staring at plans and dealing with inspectors, and you have an inspector for every different facet of what you got going on. And... um you know, overwhelming sometimes, yeah, but learning experience, definitely. Yeah, it was it was a good time down there. I like downtown, you know. I wish it could have been for someone else, but that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Okay, so we just spend a couple of minutes giving a brief background of our, our life and Ray being in a, in a new show, in a, in this about six, about six months ago before that was, I lost time. You, how long were you on the job? A year. A year. So it was a year for him. Yeah. And that you just come off of that about uh, six months six ago? Six months ago, yeah, yeah. We finished up. Actually, well, now it's closer to nine months ago. Yeah. Nine months ago. So, Since uh, then, I've been doing nothing. No, I've been working. Yeah, what, have you been just doing independent jobs? Yeah. Okay. More, more or less, comparatively, it would be knick-knack, you know. I mean, to the building. Yeah, comparatively that to what was, I just did. That was quite an accomplishment. Okay, now we want to now get some grounding in ourselves. We always start our session, and for podcast people too, is that how can Ray and I and you, wherever you are, be really in the in the room, really be here? How do we do that? And I call that the grounding part of it. So first we checked our posture and Ray was had his legs crossed and sousing, but he now put he um, has his feet on the floor. We both are kind of sitting up because physical posture uh, uh, influences states of mind. That's why the people that do uh, meditation they really have a certain way they sit and the back is straight. And that's for that reason that it actually affects the mind. So we wanted to get that one straight. And then also, while we have that, getting part of the grounding process, and the people at home could try this too, also now to check the breathing. So the awareness of breathing now is added to posture. 
So I've just done that here as I was, I'm speaking. And I added an awareness of breath and attention now to, to my body. So bring an attention to the body. So that's part of the grounding as well. And um, part of the grounding is having a, a whole sense of the whole of yourself a sense of the whole of yourself from the top of your head down to your feet with sensation you feel your whole body. That's rarely do we ever do that. Have a sense of the whole of ourselves. So that's another part of it. And when you have the whole of yourself then a wish to experience the feeling of I exist the whole of myself, I exist, not as, as just an animal or a machine or a bunch of habits, but something deeper. I exist on a, I can feel my existence in my body. And now, if I'm in that state, and as I say for those at home that want to try that, um, with the posture being right, the breathing, you're grounded, and to add that, a witness a witness that actually is like a sentry or a, a video camera, something that begins to now see, uh, begins to hear, begins to follow your thoughts, begins to see the tensions in the body impartially. So now that would be the grounding part of it because we're, we're thoughtful of that um, there's a part of our life inside us that's more than our ordinary life. It's more than just the egoic life. It's an inner part of us. And our work in here is we're trying to see if we could touch, taste something that's deeper inside us. More than uh, ego life. And that'll first come as a sensation. And the people at home, if they're interested, could also um, try this grounding. And also part of this grounding is kind of a massage, a call of thoughts. This is from uh, the Vedanta world in yoga, is that you feel from the top of your head, feel a light that's following you down your face and down your spine, your abdomen, and your right arm, and your right leg, left leg, left arm. So from top to the bottom, you're touching any possible tensions in the body. Now, this is something you would do slowly for yourself, but I'm just going through it quickly. It's called massaging the mind, allowing the mind um, to go through but not to hold on to it. The mind will just pass through it and you're connecting the mind more with the body. So you can feel that. So that's all part of what we call grounding so we really be in the room. And remember there's another life in this other than just the ordinary life. And that's what we're trying to touch. Okay, now... Um, I mean, it's... Yeah. To even do what you just said, I mean, there's a, a ton of difficulty in, you know, as far as feeling your body, getting 
semi-centered posture to be able to take something in. I mean, most of us, I know I am, um, are on more or less an automatic pilot where that stuff doesn't happen and that stuff isn't even, you know, I mean, you're the furthest thing away from it. Right. So to get yourself to, you know, to even be conscientious that there is a different way or there's a little bit different way, you know, and it takes practice and it takes it takes some quietness which most of us don't have especially my age and below you know we're looking for the next best thing or the next whatever you know we're running around like you know chickens but um you know i mean examples of 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 what we all do i think would relate more and then to get to this state you know, to get to a center, to get to your breath, to get to the top of your head and feeling a different sensation. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, I've heard you say this many a times to me, and, and I've even battled with it being in a, a room with you, you know. I mean, I've seen myself, you know, I know that when I come and see you, I'm going to have to be in a different state. I'm going to have to be way more open and vulnerable versus when I'm out in the world where I can rely on like my personas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't even think most people are cognizant of, of that, you know, and what a big deal that is. Yeah, I agree. And that needs a special attention and needs, first place, even to hear about it. You know, it's not something that's in our everyday life. And it'll take a very special attention. But even if, if the knowledge starts to come through or we hear something that might be worthy of recalling knowledge, um, knowledge is not enough either. Just from what Ray's uh, kind of said, um, it's going to need something more than knowledge. It's going to need it's going to need a sincerity of work on myself, because what we're trying to do in finding this new consciousness, and so another next step up, is that the energy of the mind and the energy of the body have to come together. That's what this is all about. And that leaves us in a certain state, and that state, when those two are together, and, then, and what you were saying, Ray, and that just doesn't happen. That's something that um, will take practice, and we'll talk about some of the practices as we go along. Um, but that's, so it's more than knowledge, and it's, it's an inner work of the energy of the mind and the body connecting. And now you have a certain presence in consciousness to welcome in higher uh, material. Okay, Ray, so when we came in this morning, you mentioned uh, Adam. And uh, what do I remember about some, some, maybe some earlier times about him? Well, maybe I can mention... Adam, him. your son, by the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's still around, right? I, I, yeah, he is. Call him the ace now, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, Even you do? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't. I don't call him anything. I mean, I, I never see him or hear from him. Anyway, um, so maybe I could say something at the very beginning. My w wife at that time, my first marriage, we had the idea of of um, of having natural childbirth. It was kind of big and early 60s, kind of the bohemian world, and uh, we've traveled in those 
circles, and I was a musician. And Natural childbirth, meaning dark room, bathtub, that kind of thing? Well. Inside in, the house? In the house, meaning not in the hospital. Okay. That, that's, so home birth. So maybe for Adam we could start off with Lauren, who was older than Adam. I had a difficult time because I was living in a wildlife preserve uh, in Philadelphia, right, on, right across from the um, Philadelphia International Airport. I can't think of that little town. I was in Chippewa. I think it was called Chippewa, old Indian country. And we were living in a wildlife preserve there. So her birth was in the wait, wildlife. Wait, wait, wait. How yeah. do you get to live on a wildlife preserve? What does that, well, what does that mean? Um, our, we Were you a, a ranger? House. No, no. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that needs a little explanation. We had a house, kind of a wilderness kind of area, at least for that part of town. There was a lot of empty. There was a wildlife, a wildlife preserve from my yard on, started a whole wildlife preserve. So we were, in essence, in it almost. You know, we're in the house, and then there was a wildlife preserve five feet away from us starting. Um, anyway, we had a house there, almost like a little cabin more than anything. And Lauren was born there, and I delivered uh, a birth seat. Adam's birth was a little different. We actually, somebody built, not me, somebody built a birth seat so my wife could have the baby almost like um, with the momentum of a bowel movement. She actually would sit on this birth seat. It was new stuff at that time. So you're saying she should add him out. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, what you're now saying. You know the, you know the problems now, right? <laughs> you said got, it, not me. I got to the crux I didn't of it. know there was a birthing seat. I didn't Ace, know there was such a thing. Ace came strolling out. Oh, <laughs> God, how could that be? Now, that was full. And actually, for Adam, it was different. So, so we can't put that to Adam. Um, and that's a whole thing, some difficulties. Anyway, a year later, and we were now in California, and we had a... But Adam was born in California. Yeah, Adam was born in California. Lauren was born in... Uh, Philly. Around Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so the thing with Adam was that um, we now, with a little more organization in it, we found a physician that delivered babies at home. So it looked like that's where the, the ace was going to be born. But my wife got, got, began some um, birthing stuff, and we called the doctor and said, look, I don't know. She was in Westwood, and we were in the valley. And said, so, you know, it looks like she's getting some beginning birthing or, uh, um, contractions. And she said, well, I don't know. I'm about to go home or something. She said, why don't you just come in, and we'll just see what, what's up. So we drove to Westwood, and uh, we got to, we got there. It was just beginning dark. Maybe it was uh, you know, seven, six, seven, eight o'clock. And um, so we uh, walked into her office, and she wanted, you know, she wanted to go home. She waited for us. But as soon as she got in, she did a little examination and saw that Chris was about to have the baby immediately. So we laid down on a, some kind of couch or something. My wife laid down there and uh, got set up. The, the birth looked like it was, no, it could have been all night. We don't know how long, but it looks like she wasn't going to go anywhere. She was going to have to stay there until the baby was born. Um, but actually it happened very quickly. Uh, as Adam does things, he, you know, he has to, he's racing ahead. Um, uh, 
The doctor said, look, he's ready to be born. Now, I was going to work with the delivery of it because that was how it was planned. So I stayed in, um, next to my wife, and I uh, helped, and I, uh, Adam came out in and, and very, sh very short time, and he was born. And I took him, and the um, doctor administered to my wife. He had to be cleaned off and everything and did all of that. And um, then the doctor said, okay, uh, I'm going home. So we said, what do we do? We're just like, we're like on the 14th floor of some building. Uh, she said, I don't know. Um, you could stay over here if you want, but um, you could go home too. So one thing about the ace that we know early, is he had one of the fastest birth and home probably in the California history. Within 10 minutes, I was carrying my wife down to the car. I don't know if she could walk. Um, that's a little vague, 40-some um, years ago. And so with Adam, we put, put them both in the car, and I drove back to the valley, all within a very short amount of time. So it was one night, May 27th, Night of May 27th, you guys just went over to Westwood, had a baby, delivered the baby. Mm -hmm. Did you carry the baby down in the car? You carried Adam down in the car? I some way, I don't know if she could walk. So I don't know if we did it one, well, I did one at the time, took her in the car, then took the baby. The doctor waited around. It's a little vague. That's, uh, you know, 47 years ago. Did he have that hair? <laughs> Yeah, he, no, he did have, yeah, he did. Did he have, have curly hair when he was born? Uh, he had dark hair. I don't know if it was curly yet, but he had that, he had that dark, that dark hair. I remember from grade school, he hated his hair. He always wanted straight hair because the style of the day was that feathered, stupid look, you know, Jan uh -huh. Michael Vincent and all that crap. Mm -hmm. He couldn't stand his hair. And I was going, listen, you're lucky. You don't have to do anything with your hair. You're going to be fine, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, it turned around. Mm -hmm. But um, he couldn't stand having curly hair. I mean, he would part it. Remember when he would part it down the middle and push it? Mm -hmm. He'd push it down flat, and then it would be like, you know, the parted in the middle afro kind of look. Mm -hmm. That was in, you know, fifth, sixth grade. Mm -hmm. But then he, he finally let it just, just do its thing, which that's what it needs to do when you have your type of hair. Well, you know, yeah, so we took him home. We stayed in California, and I, th yeah, I think he went to some preschool time in California, but then something important for me came up, and I went back to Pennsylvania to an extraordinary job, but sometimes I, it's far too much and too long to talk about here right now. Uh, so the family stayed in the valley, and I went to Philadelphia and started to work with a firm, which I'll talk more about sometime, fill everybody in. But one of the things, one of the things I did is that I was sent to Wisconsin University of a, a project that was going on in this company. And I went to uh, Wisconsin University to study with a, a doctor there on affect reading. He was the major affect reader in the world. What was his name? Doctor, mm, mm, mm. I can just remember, he had a laboratory at Wisconsin Dr. University. Dr. Affect. Huh? Call him Dr. Affect. Affect. That's a, and, and, and he, he um, Oh, hmm. I don't think he's alive today. Was not. Um, and I actually attended his classes and we worked. He could look at a person 
almost tell you what you're thinking, but he read the affect of your body and your emotions, and it was a very um, extraordinary thing at the time. And um, so I was at Wisconsin University. I was going to be there a while, and I sent for the family, and uh, Adam and Lauren and Chris, they came to Wisconsin. So that's the first time I've seen them for a while, because I've been working on this job. And they flew into Indianapolis, and I picked them up at the airport and um, took them. <laughs> and they finally got another little cabin again near a lake, like a little summer thing that Adam, I think, really loved. Um, there was a guy there that knew about fishing, and Adam went fishing with him. It was uh, and uh, very extraordinary. How old was he at this time? Like four? Um, yeah, he was still like it would be like in preschool. I'd be three, four. We have that. He wasn't in regular school yet. I don't, I don't believe. Um, he didn't get to regular school to like the fifth grade or something. Oh, that could be. Yeah, because he was that he went to prior. He, yeah, it's like oh yeah, that's a whole other part of that. There's a whole lots lots in this area. Um, but anyway, that's where we lived a little short while, maybe six months while I studied with this uh, psychologist. And and I was, at the end, I remember I took the test of people from North Korea and all, all over the world, and I came in first. We, we, I had to read raw affect. In other words, they'd show you pictures, they'd show you things. I would have to say, that person is having this kind of problem or something. It's, it's, a, it's a long thing. I do have to say, somewhere down the line, I have to tell you more about it. But I learned how to do a, a lot of that. Um, and then we'll, they do you would, use that now in your practice at a level? Well, yeah, that's always with me. Yeah, I, that's there. Yeah, I, 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 I use it now. Um, not as formally as I did at one time. It's more became part of me rather than that I think I'm going to use it. You know, just became right, it's just part kind of, of second nature. Yeah, now it became part of me. Then we, then the, then the class ended. I went back to Philadelphia. They, they followed. They didn't go back to California. And then we lived in New Jersey while I still um, was back in Philadelphia working. And Adam went to a, well, I don't know if anybody knows this. He went to a, oh, God, what's his name? A, um, Oh, Give it a, hint. a very um, Jesuit. <laughs> no, it's a private school, like where you, they talked. Oh God, like a Mennonite school, or they really? Yeah, something like a Quaker school. Quaker. That's really? It. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it all began. I think the kid went through a Quaker school, and he even talked Quaker talk. <laughs> I know how this, how they talk then. They talk in a certain way. Quakers talk in a certain way. He was even able to talk a little Quaker talk. Um, did he have a beard? <laughs> but the the people in that world did. Um, that's all. Anyway. I, I, I didn't know he went to a Quaker school. Yeah, I don't school. think anybody knows that. I don't went to a Quaker school and and spoke. I don't I forget the, how, the, how they speak of you want to know, tipo, tipo. Is it like, like a, of the, um, is it sweet? What is the base language? Um, yeah, I don't know. This has kind of a sweetest sound to it, but. Uh, or German or something? It's yeah, not? Something like that. And Adam. It's a, is it Latin origin? I, I, I just don't really know. 
so all of Adam's fans, you might be the first time you've ever hearing that. I don't know if you Adam know if Adam was delivered uh, by his father and a doctor in in Northern California, and that he was a went to a Quaker school about three years old or so. Did he get to ride donkeys or anything like that? Well, I don't know. They might, they did some things. It was like in a like a little farm area. Uh, we'll have to ask them. Wait, they, they didn't put him to work or anything, did they? No, oh, no, I don't think so. Because those kids are like chattel. Until, yeah, you know. Though he had a wad of money with him all the time. Maybe they did put him <laughs> to work. He never gave us any. That I remember. That was an early pattern. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> um. Okay. I'm when did you guys? When did you guys move out here? Wait um, a minute. So he lived back east again. Yeah, he was. We were living. We had a little house in New Jersey, and then we lived in Philly. We're back. I worked in Philly, and they they were they were in New Jersey. And then you guys came back to Los yes, Angeles. Yes, and we all came back together. Not long after that, it didn't last that long. So now you're talking sixty what? 69 or something. 60, yeah, 68, 69. Well, you were in elementary school with him. No, were you in elementary school yeah. with him? Well, I met him. At, we had the same fifth grade class, but I remember when he went. I met him through your neighbor at the time. No, you were already gone by then, and it was where Chris lived, and I met him through uh, Max, which was a kid uh-huh. next door to him that went to, my, went to Colfax, uh-huh. And so I met him two years prior or a year prior to him going to Colfax when he went to the school in Topanga, mm-hmm. where the class picture was just them all strewn about kids barefoot. You know, mm-hmm. our class pictures were very organized, you know, highest, you know, tallest kid, the shortest kid, right. that whole thing. You had picture day, you had a class picture, and then you had your individual pictures and you had to order your stuff. But Adam just had a black and white, um, you know, on a card. Yeah. Of the whole class, and it was about twenty-two kids, and and then the teachers, uh, which weren't teachers, were just more or less volunteers. It was like you know, it was it was looking straight into Easy Rider communal living, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yeah. kind of an interesting, fun, interesting thing. But I don't think he got it, you no. know, the three R's too much. No, he didn't get the background. That, that's true. The private school was really. More that we didn't want him to be in the public school world. Or try you didn't to want to have the regiment or something world. like that. Yeah, I wanted more for creativity, but they didn't. They didn't push the academics. So he His was creativity didn't kick until he was thirty, though. No, it was there the whole time. But then, yeah, because yeah. wow. I remember when he was in um, grammar school, like he had a, a hard time with it. I mean, even though he was smart, and you knew he was smart just by the, how he spoke to you and mm-hmm. you know his presence. And all, but he had he didn't have any of the background, you know, of of you know L.A. public school. Mm-hmm. Not that there's much of a f- background there, but you know, I mean, I think he did he did one book report his whole life, and it was on the Phantom Toll Booth, and I'm willing to bet he didn't read it. You know, I think it was more or less Cliff Notes and such. But he was always always bright, but he never you yeah. know pulled grades. That wasn't his thing. Yeah, he he really that background. He really. It was hard, I think, for him to go into public school. But sports, he super yeah. excelled in. Yes, sports he was always interested in. And he even gave him a couple of trumpet lessons uh, along the way, but it didn't seem to take. 
He um, took trumpet in junior high too. He did. Yeah, he yeah, took, yeah. He had trumpet in um, Mr. Innocencio. He had a trumpet. Oh, I remember him carrying it around in seventh okay. grade. Carrying it around, yeah. Yeah, and then the fo- his that? great greatest passion that it had to be um, football. Yeah, football was his real passion. Okay, so while we get into Adam, and I see our time is just about gone here. Um, so just a quick wrap up. Today, I I I spoke of my background. Did you ever change his diaper? Because he's never changed his kids' diapers. Did you ever change? Oh, his? sure. Oh, good yeah. man, Jim. Yeah, I, I done, <laughs> I've done that. Um, <clears throat> so I gave a little back my background professionally. Ray spoke of his uh, that last big project that he worked on. It was quite something. That building and all the things that he did in that building was quite an accomplishment. And through all this, we're trying to still stay grounded. We're still trying to realize that uh, it's the inner work. It's the connection of the energy of the mind connected with the energy of the body and um, that producing a presence and a relaxation to be able to uh, put us into a state where we can now take in some higher knowledge and higher learning. Knowledge alone is not enough. Those two have to be connected. And over the next um, podcast, we'll talk a little bit more about tools for learning, maybe um, for people that are interested, how to do that, to really do what would inner work really be for me? Would be that. Okay, so glad you tuned in, and this is a work in progress, and we're going to learn more and see if we could um, find something, a deeper self uh, that's been lost a long time ago. And I ended with this thought when the real parts of Ray and Jim early in our life, or more of a, what I would call the lion, the lion, and that's the real self in all of us. And when that self, that lion, left the mountain, the monkeys took over. <laughs> so we're now dealing with the monkeys. This first part of the work is dealing with the monkeys, uh, they say in Buddhism, and beckoning the lion to come back to the mountain, the real self. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again in a week.